Yeah. It's been a couple of weeks since I've done a live show. It has been. I forgot how to do it. Well, you know what? <laughs> Nothing like learning on the air. Hey, what I did forget to say was it's Ion Health. I already forgot. That's right. Start over. Okay. <laughs> we'll just start the music over. It's Ion Health. So that means every Saturday from 10 to 11, we're here talking about things related to your health. My name's Michael Jones. I got Eric Beto Robert running everything over there. I just, I just heard my mom cringe yeah. on that. And he's actually up on the counter. Uh-huh. Talking and that's throwing. right. I, I'm very. He runs uh, the show from standing on the. It's counter. the only way I can come across naturally. Uh, <laughs> when you're someone as gifted as Beto, yeah. you know you've got to. Yeah. Did you see? Uh, guy's so full of himself. <laughs> did you see the Jimmy Fallon thing on Beto? No. Oh, you got to look it up. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's hilarious. Yeah, but the fun. It's it is absolutely hilarious. So we've got we've got Beto, and then you've got the guy from South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, I don't know much I about I can't him. remember his yeah, last name. He doesn't name. have a good nickname yet. Yeah. yeah. He'll get one. <laughs> yeah, his last name's too hard to pronounce. Yeah, right. But uh, Jimmy Fallon does his great thing on Beto, and yeah. you'll love it. It's hilarious. And it's, you know, it's general good-natured poking fun at the guy, unlike calling him Hitler like right. they treat Trump. But it's hilarious. But the first thing that everyone comments on when they look at it is like, is he allowed to even do that? <laughs> you know, that's where, that's where we're yeah. at in the state yeah. of affairs here. You can't even make fun of him. There's so much fodder there, by yeah. the way. But yeah. anyway, you oh, got to look gosh. after the show. Look it up. But uh, yeah, so he'll be running the show today from the counter, just to that's I guess, right. See more That's down right. to earth. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, is it's, 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 it's a little. Stand on the counter? Well, I was going to say it's a little ironic that I have to stand up <laughs> further away to seem down to earth. Yeah. But uh, that's how I pers- personify myself. I saw yeah. one picture of the real Beto, not you. You're the fake Beto, but Thank the you. real Beto. He's standing up on a counter, and behind him is like a map of the Soviet Union. <laughs> no joke. The imagery. Like, who is thinking of the imagery here? Yeah. Yeah. Are we forgetting? Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, the world in which we nothing to now, do about speaking what we're going to talk about. Speaking <laughs> of uh, crazy developments this week, yes, so okay. uh, you know, Dr. Jones, what are your thoughts on the Trump administration's uh, challenge to the ACA? I think it's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's It took everybody by surprise. What I was thinking about as I was driving in, because that's basically our show prep is our drive-in to that's the show. Right. That's right. Uh, some weeks. Um was remember when we first got started with the show seven years ago mm-hmm. all we talked about was the healthcare yeah, debate man that's all it, just trying I mean, to figure that stuff out trying to figure it out we had insurance experts on and pretty much everything we predicted was going to happen ended up happening with it happening with it not that we're some sort of prescient fortune fortune tellers but anyone could see the writing was on the wall right, right. <laughs> but anyway it was funny because that really dominated our show for about the first year or maybe even probably two, two years. years yeah and now the the debate is is getting reignited again yeah. so i mean I, i'm 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 Are we going to have to uh, resurrect the IC, IC, ICD-10 code of that's the week? That's already done. Well, yeah, yeah that's that ship. Yeah, that's already, unfortunately, that's already baked into the cake. But one thing I do find interesting with this, um, the talking point, you know, uh, b- uh, both sides, again, they'll get, get yeah. their talking points and they stick to it. Yeah. So you watch the news and it's the talking point. Talking. Yeah. But the talking point <clears throat> from those that are against 
completely dismantling the ACA or yeah. Obamacare is, you know, 10 to 20 million people are going to lose their insurance. Right. But it is, it's laughable to me when that same party is also talking about completely undoing our healthcare system and going to a single payer system where literally every single one of us with a private plan is yeah. going to lose our, we're talking a hundred million people. So there was an op-ed <laughs> this week in the Wall Street Journal uh, which, you know, periodically the Wall Street Journal's editorial page, fo- you, I, I assume this is not the view of the editorial board is what I'm going to say. Okay. But it was a pro-single payer system. Oh, it was written okay. by some academic who said, we just authored a study that shows how much a single payer system is going to save us. <laughs> and, you know, here I am now. Now I'm just, you know, barely into my weekend residency uh, <laughs> of medical school through uh, Ion Health. Actually, you're almost done. Oh, well, Depending on what specialty you're going for, you're almost yeah. done. You got your four years of medical school. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're on our i think this is our seventh year we're, we're i think we're so, gonna be entering our eighth yes. yeah so you're almost done with your residence beautiful man. beautiful <laughs> but the, the the arguments as as i'm going through this op-ed not as someone who's a specialist in the healthcare industry you know not as someone who's a practitioner that that really understands intricately the billing side was boy you can poke holes all over this like the, all of the assumptions that are being made it's yes the average health care cost will or the tax base would have to increase by 12 percent in terms of costs for you know uh, the average american but it'll reduce the cost magically by 18 percent for the entire sure. health care system because medicare's administrative costs are so much less i'm like wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> this is coming from the folks who brought you the what, how much did it cost them to build the uh, healthcare.gov website? Uh, you know, billion. Wasn't it? I thought it was like a hundred billion. No, it wasn't that much. But I mean, we're talking um, around the same amount that Trump just wanted for the wall. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't even work. Uh, yeah, and it's like <laughs> just absolutely nuts. Yes. I don't know. I just don't understand. I mean, I I really try to empathize. And, and so when you're trying to counter someone's argument, you really need to try to see it from their side. Yeah. Who are these people that think government solves everything? I, I Again, if someone can explain it to me. Yeah. What problems government can really, truly solve? Here, here's I, the, I'm really struggling for it here because I don't see it. In, insurance in its purest sense. And I, so there's a lot of insurance products out there that are very complicated and, and, you know, weird. But insurance in its purest sense, which isn't typically represented by your standard health care plan, um, can be very affordable. And I, I just really wonder why on the conservative side of this debate, no one pushes forward with uh, a, a cogent plan to say there's a way to offer a broad-based ins- private insurance policy that's not what we're dealing with with Obamacare that would be a meaningful, meaningful improvement. Well, I do think you have some people and I, saying that, and I think that's what the Trump administration is, is going for here. Yeah. But I will tell you, that's only 10% of the quote-unquote conservative that's, movement. I know. The other 90% are completely hamstrung by the media attacks yeah. that will follow any sort of mention of this, yeah. i.e., as we joke about every time we talk about this, Paul Ryan pushing your grandma off a cliff. Yeah. Paul Ryan, quite for all literally, people. there was yeah. a commercial. Yes, yeah. Paul Ryan, your big buddy of all people. Yeah, pushing grandma off the cliff. I highly doubt Paul Ryan would ever push grandma off the cliff. Yeah. Of all the politicians that I can think of that pop into my brain right now, yeah. he's actually probably one of the last ones on the list I could ever see pushing if, grandma off the cliff. If anything, you'd be worried, <laughs> yeah, about what he'd do in the opposite direction. But, but yeah. 90% of your quote-unquote conservatives are completely terrified and hamstrung yeah. of having a commercial shot about them pushing grandma off the cliff. 
But again, I think, and, and I've, t- I've argued this with you before, the Trump administration, I don't think cares because they've already called him Hitler. Yeah. So who cares if they make a commercial of him pushing Graham off the cliff? For him, that's actually kind of like, yeah. that's a softball for told him. told you. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you look at the last week with, uh, b- between the Mueller uh, report findings, uh, or lack thereof, more importantly, yeah, right. um, and uh, then this Jesse Smollett story. Oh, okay. Yeah, to so, reinforce, so, so proud of my yeah, yeah. home state. Yeah. your home to, state too, by the way. Formerly, you formerly, yeah. Uh, the, I'm a refugee. The uh, can you, I seek asylum anytime? Come on over. The bridge is open. Uh, the you look at how that reinforces the message that you know what there there is fake news out there. Yeah, you had a, you had a the major story of the last two years, and even prior to that, because it was before the 2016 yep. election. Yeah was un, uh, founded on nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and and so I think that's a huge card for Trump going into the 2020 oh, election. Sure. So can you imagine if this appeal or you know whatever it is that, of the Justice Department stands and somehow they are able to basically get Obamacare wiped off the books, then you've got you've reset the table yes. going into 2020. The the left is going to be single payer, the right needs to have a cogent plan for yes. market-based reform. That I think that's a great choice for the American people. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, hey, we got we got to go to the break. We do. Man, that was quick. We got to pay the bills. When we come back, um, what I want to talk about. When we come back is something that's also in the news because we always talk about things in the news, and that's the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that when we come back. So stay tuned. Um, we're going to have more eye on health after these words. Welcome back, Zion Health. My name is Michael Jones. I got Eric Beto Robert running things over there. It's good to be back. Yeah. Hey, I had I had good reasons to be out for two weeks. What was that? Well, one was St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And yeah. it's not like I was partying it up or I mean I'm too old for that. Right. Or it's like celebrating the death of St. Patrick. Oh, by the way, I saw an article. Snakes are actually back in Ireland. Are they really? If there's no further sign of the apocalypse, yeah. there are literally like someone found like a five foot snake in Ireland. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a bad Maybe omen. AOC is right. Maybe <laughs> we only have 12 years left. But anyway, I was not celebrating St. Patrick's Day, his death day, but it's crazy downtown on St. Patrick's it Day really weekend. It really is, yeah. You literally- Especially here. You cannot get to the building. Yeah. And so I thought, well, it's a good weekend to just run a replay. There you go. And then last weekend, it was my parents' 50th anniversary. Wow. And I mean, that's pretty rare nowadays. It is. And that's a lot of years. Yeah. That's old. I'm old. I feel old. Yeah, well, congratulations yeah, so to I your to, parents. Congratulations to them, but I couldn't come in. We were doing all sorts of yeah. celebratory things. and Well, I mean, you know, you can't miss that one. you got to wait 50 more years before it happens. So that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, I had to, I was not just skipping out just to skip. Sure. I had two good reasons. Sure. But we're back. And so let's talk about something I think very important, mm-hmm. not a manufactured crisis. <laughs> uh, the t- those are talking points, right? That's right. Who puts the talking points out, by the way? Which talking points? Any talking point. Uh, Who says, manufactured crisis. Run with it. Yeah, yeah. Who's Here's another one. See if you've heard this one. I want to see the whole report. Yeah, yeah. Run with it. Nancy, well, you you, you got to remember, I mean, Nancy Pelosi and, and, and the Democratic leadership, if you, you know, rewind the clock 10 years, man, they were so good at that. They really were. Well, it's better now. Yeah. I think it's even better the, now with having the media completely on board absolutely. with them. It's like I saw a press conference with her, I believe, on Monday, and she said, 
well, we're not talking about that anymore. We're going to talk about healthcare. Yeah. And then quite literally on Everybody. CNN, everyone, all they covered well, was you, healthcare. You remember the, what was it, the journal list? Yeah, uh, right. From, yeah, right they, yes. And they literally yeah. would distribute yeah. the talking yes, points? Right, oh, yeah. goodness. Or how about um, in the terrible, oh, WikiLeaks collusion yeah. where they released the emails during the election cycle and they're yeah. like, these reporters were literally saying, oh, can we run with this talking point? Yeah. They would like clear it with Hillary's yeah. campaign before yeah. they'd run with it. Uh, Unbelievable. Anyway. So it's a manufactured crisis. Yep. This is not manufactured crisis. No one can say that the opioid epidemic is a manufactured crisis. Absolutely not. Other than opioids are actually manufactured and they're causing a crisis. See what, I see what, see what you what did there. Yeah, that was good. But listen to this, all joking aside. How many deaths per day do you think happen because of opioids? Per day. Deaths per day here in the U.S. Uh, Deaths per day. 100. Yeah, you're right. Well, did you really? read what I sent you? Yeah. I, I No, I, that was a total guess. Yes. 100 deaths a day. It was just a nice round number. Um, <clears throat> listen to this one. Between 1999 and 2017, by the way, I'm getting some of this information from the CDC's website, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to go into a couple of articles that I found that were actually in the, in the media this week about it. The reason it's kind of being brought up now is what the CDC is talking about with opioids is what they're calling the third wave of the opioid crisis, and that's because of fentanyl. Yeah. The first wave... Um, which was in the late 90s, early 2000s, was just like the Oxycontins right, and right. The, the prescription painkillers. But then when those were getting too hard to get your hands on, people actually switched straight to straight heroin. That was what they called yeah. the second wave, yeah. and we saw that kind of roll through this area. But now it's all coming down to fentanyl. And the reason it's important is because most of the fentanyl, like 90% of it, is coming through our southern border. Yeah, It's manufactured in China. They ship it over to Mexico. And they drive it up through the southern so, border. So explain to me, because I, I, is fentanyl a, actually a prescription drug used in some cases? I used it on Thursday. Not on myself, by the way. <laughs> we use it- <laughs> Right um, before it, the show, every, right. every Can't week. Can't you tell? I mean, really. Yeah. Um, uh, we use it um, during the surgeries that I do, yeah. eye surgery, where I'm not putting someone completely out. Yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of goose them with a little bit of fentanyl on top of some of the other IV medicines to help with pain control during an operation. Is that like for LASIK or? No, no, not for LASIK. Yeah. LASIK would just use oral. I'm talking yeah. about for like eyelid surgery gotcha. or um, sometimes even cataract surgery if the person's eye is going to be a little tender. So we give fentanyl, we give fentanyl IV yeah. all the time. I don't give it, but the anesthesiologist that's working sure. with me will give it. So, yes, we use fentanyl all the time. There's a real use for it. Right. <laughs> the problem with fentanyl, which is a synthetic opioid, <clears throat> is you can manufacture such a tiny amount, and that tiny amount can then be spread. They mix it with other drugs right. to in improve the power of these other drugs. Right. And so what the CDC says is for any single unit of fentanyl that's produced— you can get eight times your return on investment. Wow. And so that's why these cartels are all going to it because, I mean, you're a business guy. If you can get eight times return on your investment. not in that business. I just oh. want to clarify. <laughs> I'm reading this article from the CDC and I'm like, yeah. The cartels are really putting this much thought into it. I mean, they must have I mean, good they, accountants working. They, for they, they, <laughs> anyway, you know, in business, yeah. if you could get eight times return, yeah, right? They're going to leverage. And so that's why it's becoming so common. So this is what the CDC is considering the third wave of the opioid crisis, moving away from just the oral Oxycontins, yeah. Percocets that you were stealing from your grandma. Then you got into just straight up heroin because that's cheap to produce. But now it's fentanyl.
So fentanyl's deadly. <laughs> well, it, heroin's deadly, right? They're all deadly. Yeah. But the dosing on fentanyl, if you don't get it just right, you stop breathing, and that's why you oh die. Just ask Prince. Yeah. You can't ask him anymore, but you can ask the person that gave him the fentanyl. Oh, my goodness. Just a little bit, and you die. Unbelievable. And they're cutting it with other drugs that you may not even be thinking about because it can alter the quote-unquote high that you get. Mm. For instance, um, I think his name is Eric Bowling. Yeah, he was he the Fox, Fox News, News guy. His yeah. son died. Um, taking, Tragic story. Taking some drug. That I thought it was up, like Tylenol with codeine that had fentanyl it was mixed laced in it or something like that. Yeah, Laced with fentanyl and he just stopped breathing, literally stopped breathing from it. So um, that's the problem with it. And it's all getting, it's all coming through the southern border, which is why it's one reason well, we why there's a crisis. We there. don't have, no, there's no crisis at the southern border. There's no issues there. Well, hey, I, I was watching Neil Cavuto this morning before I came in, and actually Obama's DHS, yeah. um, he actually finally said there's a crisis. So that guy's done. His career's yeah, over. Yeah. <laughs> there's a crisis, right? But it, it's th- see, through. this is, so you know, you, you grew up over in Illinois and central Illinois. I grew up over in southern Illinois. Um, and th- when you see the havoc that has been wreaked by heroin, in these in these small communities, and and it's you know, of course the St. Louis area has seen it too, all across the country. This truly is a, a, a an epidemic. Well, listen to this, just to prove your point. So there were seven hundred thousand drug overdoses mm. over the last eighteen years in the entire country. Yeah. Seven hundred thousand. Seventy percent of them, seventy percent involved an opioid. Wow, which is shocking to me. Right? How how often does that path start with some sort of legitimate diagnosis or pain, or is it typically not straight up recreational use? Not anymore. Yeah, because the kids are getting into it, and there's really no reason. Yeah, the problem is we don't want to overreact, right? <clears throat> so I saw some politicians this just literally this week saying, "Well, we're going to limit what doctors can prescribe." Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I guess I see where you're coming from. But I never think it's a good idea to have government telling doctors what they can and can't use because it's only ripe for abuse, right? right. I mean, right. <laughs> next thing you're going to know, certain people can get certain medicines. Yeah, you, you, pull and, up, you put together a rule set like that, it's just yeah. asking for someone to game the system. But I can kind of see where they're coming from. But no, most of these, these are not coming from, uh, you know, you got pain medicine for a dental surgery and right. now you've just continued on. These are recreational uses of it, and fentanyl, even in tiny quantities, can be very deadful, deadful, wow. deadly, very <laughs> deadly, very harmful in even tiny, tiny quantities. Um, if you look at the chart from the CDC on their website, it is quite literally, it's not even exponential growth. Yeah. It's quite literally a straight line up on the number of fentanyl-related overdoses when you look from like 2014 up to the current data, which is December of 2018. Not exponential curve. Sure. It's literally almost a straight line up. Goodness gracious. So, I mean, there's a real problem that's coming through. So, um and it's coming through the southern border. And so anyway, let's talk about some, what, what some people are talking about doing to help reduce that um, when we come back. So stay tuned. We'll have more Eye on Health after these words. All right. Welcome back. It's Eye on Health every Saturday from 10 to 11 here on 97.1 FM News Talk. We're talking about your health care. My name is Michael Jones. I got Eric Beto Robert running the board over there. Yes, sir. Looking good. Not using your hands as much. No, no. Well, whenever you're standing up on the studio desk, you, you, the the mic arms get in the yeah, way. You might hit the ceiling yeah. or something like that. Um, hey, if someone is like out of town, mm-hmm. and God forbid they wanted to listen to this show sure. while they were out of town, like stream it on their phone. Yeah, 
Is that even possible? Totally possible. How do they do it? Two ways to do it. Uh, one, go to the radio.com app on your phone, and you can stream live anytime. You can also access all the podcasts there. Uh, of course, you can also go to ionhealthradio.com. Oh, yeah, that's Every right. week we get the podcast posted yes. up, and it, it's up there for you to find not just last week's show, but any of our previous yes. shows. So if you're you know, looking for a particular topic, whether it's uh, psychiatry and related issues with Dr. Steve Harvey or fitness and things like that with uh, with our folks from the Fitness Edge and Mike Jodis, sleep with Dr. Ojal, sinus surgery with Dr. Shaw, these are the best medical providers in the St. Louis area. Yeah. And uh, I, it's, it, you will, by listening to those podcasts and, and keeping up with this show, honestly, it will make such a dramatic improvement yeah. on and your life. We're talking about common problems. Yep. The reason we have those doctors on, they're very good at what they do. But yeah. These are common problems. Everyone deals with them. And what I really like about our guests is they seem to be able to speak in more simplified terms right. so that we can all understand what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the stuff gets so esoteric you can't you can't. Well, I think it out. you know, both both you and all of our uh, friends who come onto the show do such a great service to the listening audience in it, being able to hear two high performing, you know, top of their game physicians have a really in depth conversation about what matters from their point of view. That's invaluable information as a listener. And uh, you know, periodically I you know, I do have to ask those layman questions just to make sure we're, we're bringing it back to the listeners. You're not but a layman anymore. I really think about um, our sleep discussions that we've yeah. had over the last seven years. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that had really started to enter into mainstream consciousness because of people like Dr. Ojai. Absolutely. He talks about it. So, And by the way, we do have a great guest lineup coming up. We, um, do. we do have Fitness Edge coming in soon. We do have Dr. Shaw coming back in soon. Yep. Dr. We've Harvey. also got our friends from Victory Men's Health That's coming right. back in soon. Um, so we, we you don't have to listen to just me and Eric ramble every on yeah. every week. We do have guests, and they are coming in. Yep. I mean, so, hey, what we were talking about today, though, I thought was something very interesting because um, it's real. and I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it affects all of us, and that's this opioid crisis. And what I was mentioning, according to the latest CDC data, is that this is what they're calling the third wave which they say began in late 2013, early 2014, and that's the spike in fentanyl-related opioid deaths, moving away from the pills, moving right. away from the heroin, now we're into fentanyl. Um, there are stories almost every month about you know, um, border patrol seizing like enough fentanyl at the southern border to literally wipe out the entire population of the United States, right? You've yeah, probably seen, seen those, those stories, stories yeah. come through. So even small amounts can have terrible consequences, and that's why it's so important. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? I yeah. mean, I do think you have at least one party that's trying to do something down on the southern border. There has got to be some. It is complete chaos down there now. Yeah. But that's not going to solve the problem, right? Right. That may, that may limit the supply coming in, but then we may move into some sort of fourth wave of the opioid crisis. We, we really have to deal with this as a society. And I don't think it comes down to simply just limiting what physicians can prescribe. I right. actually think that's kind of scary in my opinion. Right. Um, hey, we've actually had guests on. Speaking Dr. of that, Dr. Jufra, yeah, yes, right. Yeah. But the government limiting what he could prescribe, trying to treat opioid right. pa patients, right. uh, which is interesting, and how frustrating it was to him. Remember, he could only get a license for a certain number That's of right. patients he could treat. That's the kind of trouble you get into when you get the government telling doctors what to do. Yeah, I think it's terrifying. Yeah, you've got. I mean, here you have a medical practice that is based around helping people rehabilitate from these these terrible opioid uh, drugs. And because the the treatment 
involves controlled substances in order to wean them away from what they're doing, not just wean, but get them off of it. Uh, you know, the, you're limiting the people who are trying most to help this area to only helping what was yeah. like 100 patients. Yeah, 100 patients or something you know? like that. Yeah. And he'd have to reapply for these licenses. Yeah. What a hassle. So there are some projects going on. Um, I found an interesting article in The Guardian, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a UK uh, media source, but an interesting article about some programs that local communities are doing to try to at least stem the tide. Um, for instance, they had an interesting story about Dayton, Ohio, that was able to half, half the number of deaths from opioids wow. in 2018. Half. The How did they do that? Um, it was a combined effort. Uh, again, there was no, it was not a one shot thing. It was a combined effort. First of all, it included harsher sentencing on the people that were providing the, the meta, uh, sure. the, meta the drugs, yeah. right? That included physicians. There are physicians that are pill factories. Yeah. They're making money by prescribing this stuff. Mm. And so there are very harsh sentences on the physicians doing the prescribing and the drug dealers that were then distributing it by making harsher sentences. They were able to cut down on it. But also they focused on the rehabilitation side of things. Yep. And remember, we've talked about with multiple experts about how hard it is to break that, uh, that uh, addiction. Yeah. In fact, I think he said it was the hardest addiction to break. Sure. With, a f- with, with only like a 5% success rate over time. So wow. um, in Dayton, Ohio, they worked on not just start, uh, harsher penalties, but also um, trying to rehabilitate these people. So they would identify um, people, patients, that had an almost overdose event. So they actually survived, but they ended up in the hospital and they were just on those people right away, getting them into the right sort of programs. And it's those people that are at risk because the almost overdose event next time is going to be the overdose event. So what happens, you speaking of healthcare reform and these sort of things, if you know, you have a loved one or maybe, you know, God forbid you, you yourself are dealing with an opioid addiction and there, there are functional people who, who yeah, struggle sure, with this. Sure, yeah. Um, there are obviously rehab facilities available, but if you don't have insurance, you don't, you know, you're on the, you're on the bubble, so to speak, in terms of access to the healthcare system, are there viable ways that, you know, virtually anybody who raises their hand and says, Hey, I have an opioid addiction. I need help. Can, can get that help? Well, well, we've already alluded to it, right? I mean, we had experts on that were local experts in this area, Dr. Jufra, um, who do those things. You can't just tell them to stop right. because the, the withdrawal period from these opioids is terrible. Yeah. And it, it almost forces you to go right back on it. Yeah. So you have to give medicines that help bridge that gap while also giving that person counseling to try to make some changes in their life. But you can't just take the chemical away. Yeah. Because the withdrawal from that chemical is so strong, you seek it out just to make yourself, you know, feel better. So you don't yeah. shaking and sweating and you know, you know, die. Well, you're a regular <laughs> coffee drinker. Just try quitting coffee for exactly. a day and imagine sure. that times a thousand. Sure, right. Or cigarettes or what? Yeah. You, know, you name the vice. What we have been told is this is the hardest one to break. And mm-hmm. so um, there are experts that can help get to you. But when the government's limiting the amount of bridge medicine that those guys can give to get you off, that makes trouble. I mean, it's hard. Is there any evidence, to your knowledge, of people who are uh, opioid addiction resistant, where you know they're, they're able to try these drugs and not immediately? Because you hear about like heroin, for instance. I imagine this applies even more with fentanyl. People get hooked immediately yes is that just a universal truth with people you know that's the human physiology no because we've talked with other addiction experts whether it's food cigarettes yeah i mean we've had the we've had a gamut Similar. of them 
some of us are more predisposed to addictive behaviors than others. Gotcha. There's a genetic predisposition for it. But with medicines like fentanyl, these opioid-type medicines, it lowers all of our addictive threshold. Yeah. Um, and so that's why these things are so highly addictive and they have to be used very carefully. But some of us are more predisposed than others. Um, and those people are really at risk when you put them sure. on something like sure. this. Right. Um, so that, so I thought this article about Dayton, Ohio and what they did from kind of a multifaceted approach was good. Um, there are other localities that have done, done some things, but what, what I'm telling you here is these are local efforts. Right. It seems like the federal government I just don't know. It feels like I feel like they can't get their hands around it. Well, what what would be some of the most effective things? You know, we talked about the southern border. Are there other things at the federal level that would be helpful? Because what worries me is when you're dealing with people and individuals, oftentimes enabling the local government to address the needs of that community is the most effective means. But well, that's true. But I do think there may be some global. Um, restrictions that could be lifted sure um, for instance the number of um these these bridge medicines that yep. these rehab doctors are able to use seems like with a stroke of a pen you should be able to change at least the number yeah because it was a real low number yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh if well, this I, crisis is exploding why not at least raise the number that you can treat I, I i'm you know don't quote me on this uh since i'm on the radio <laughs> uh but i i feel like last time we had dr jufron there was a discussion about it going from 100 to 250 Yes. I don't know if that okay, happened or but not. But still, Google why that. 250? Yeah, exactly. Well, I just told you that if you look at the graph, we're not talking about an increase. Yeah. We're not talking about an exponential increase. It's almost a straight line up. <laughs> Going from 100 to 250 is better than 100. Yeah. But why is there any limit I- I- at all? So certainly at the federal level, um, there are uh, you know national defense issues in terms of stopping the flow of illegal fentanyl into our borders, primarily through the southern border. You see hear a lot of it being manufactured in China as well. Um, I imagine there's it's, some, listen, it's almost a 100 percent manufactured in China, and then it gets or in. at least the components to make it, Got which it. apparently it's pretty easy to make. Are it's almost 100 percent the route goes from China to Mexico, then up to the southern border. Got it. If it's not 100%, it's almost 100%. Wow. Wow. And that's why these I, I'm so frustrated. At some point, these politicians have got to stop playing politics with everything. Why can't some issues be national yeah. things that we rally behind to say there's no crisis at the southern border? Or I love the, there's the other one they say. Well, all those dr- most of those drugs are caught through checkpoints. That's, are they? If you've heard that. Yeah, because they always go through the checkpoint. That's that's where they're caught. Yeah, fools. Well, yeah, where do you think they're not getting caught? Exactly, not through the checkpoints. Yeah, I mean, really, it, it, it is maddening. It is so disingenuous for these politicians to say that just to score political points, and the the media idiots just run with it. It's crazy. But I think number one, we have to do something down there. Sure, we're getting it's it's an attack on us. And then there's regulatory changes that can be made, as you're alluding to, with lifting restrictions on doctors who are trying to treat those struggling with opioid addiction, so that way they can, um, you know, more freely do that. Uh, at the at the local level, you know, access to rehabilitative services, things like that. Are you, are you aware of anything going on there in this area? We only, talked about Doctor Jew. Only what we've talked yeah. about with our doctors. No, I think I wow. think that that's about it. Yeah, and I I haven't seen anything come through the federal government. I do know they increased funding last year. Sure. I think there was an executive order to increase funding to look at this thing. Yeah. 
you know, but then even that gets politicized. Yeah. And I just think we're, we're in some kind of environment here where the over-politization of everything right. is it's actually harming us. I agree. I agree. If Nazi Germany was sending submarines <laughs> through one of our borders, yeah. and would we have one political party say it's not a crisis? Yeah. If they were killing 130 Americans a day... Would we say it's not a crisis? Yeah. I don't understand. I, I just, please someone help me with this argument because I'm right. trying to be empathetic and understand. Right. But I don't get it. Yeah. Because now happening. my blood pressure is all up. Now I need to go on medicine. I I did not want to get. Don't don't take fentanyl. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I won't. All right. Hey, I do want to talk about something. Some studies about what we can do on the pain control side of things. So maybe we're not prescribing as much. Sure. We'll talk about that when we get back. Stay tuned. For more eye on health, I'll be calm, more calm when we come back. Mm-hmm. More eye on health after these words. All right, welcome back. Take a nice deep breath. You seem relaxed now. It's eye on health. That's right. And we're talking about the opioid crisis. Yeah. Do I sound? I think I. You, I feel like I sound more calm. Yeah. Okay. Hey, brought your uh, blood pressure down a little bit. <laughs> So one of the problems with the opioid crisis that we do have to at least think about is, are we as physicians really over-prescribing it, or is there something else sure. we could maybe do for pain control? And I came across a very interesting article just literally this morning about something that we could give in addition to pain controllers, yep. pain, pain medicines, opioids, yep. to help lower pain. And it doesn't require prescription anything. It was music. Yeah. And we have actually done a show on this many, many years ago because I was actually involved with a study using music to calm patients at the time of surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, we gave all of the patients uh, that were having surgery that morning, they got a little iPod at the yep. time. iPod. Did they even make iPods anymore? They do. Okay. The- but it had um, Pandora. Uh-huh. That, was, that, was, that was it at the time. That's how right. long ago this was. And they could pick whatever theme of music they wanted to pick yeah. and they got to listen to it. we had headphones yep they got to listen to it before we did their operation and in that study we showed if they listened to their choice of music before they did require less medicine at the time of surgery to relax them including fentanyl which i just talked about we do use from time to time during our surgeries so i i kind of knew this anyway but this article just came out today because there was a new study mm-hmm. and eric i'm going to refresh your memory it was called a meta-analysis yep that's where they don't just look at one. They, they look at all of the studies that are even remotely related to a particular topic, yep. and then they kind of lump them together. It's like a study of studies. Right. It, it builds power. We've talked yeah. about power in studies, and um, the larger the number of, of people in the study, the more mm-hmm. power there is. And so these meta-analysis uh, studies can carry quite a lot of power. And the meta-analysis of 14 studies concluded, pretty conclusively here, by the way, music may be beneficial as an adjuvant for chronic chronic pain patients and it reduces self-reported pain and it reduces self-reported use of extra pain controllers mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. Mu- just listening to music okay um and so that meta-analysis is out so it's kind of in the in the realm or it's, it's out right. there so you can right. talk about it now and it, again it's real so then what these other scientists did was they wanted to look at maybe why yeah so they did a study <laughs> which is not going to have a lot of power, mm-hmm. but you have to put it together with the meta-analysis sure. where they played music for mice. Sure. <laughs> Mozart, yeah. by the way. Um, and they gave these mice varying levels of pain medicine, 
in addition to using the music. And they found pretty conclusively that the music definitely lowered the pain levels um, for the mice that got music versus mice that only had the pain medicine. Sure. That, I, I find that absolutely fascinating. Right. I mean, are, are you a musician, no, Dr. Jones? No. I was no. like, I've, I've always, I love music, love playing music, that sort of thing. And I found as I've dealt with uh, chronic pain more recently, which is not fun, you know, until you experience it, yeah. it's hard to, hard to relate. Uh, but music is a great distraction from that. Yeah. And uh, keeping your mind busy with these things and really, f- whenever you're able to really focus on the music in the midst of something that is, is not a good physical event. It anecdotally, at least, sure makes a big difference. Yeah, and by using mice, mm-hmm. it takes out the human side of things. So they right? call it Mozart. <laughs> Sorry, well, that was, was wow. Well, that was bad. Wow. Uh huh. I mean, you should probably take the rest of the day off. I'm yeah, just, yeah. really I'm turn bad. off my mic now. <laughs> wow. You know, AOC may put you on some kind of list for that one. <laughs> that because that was so bad. But by using mice. <laughs> It takes the human, you know, it takes like any sort of human emotion out of it, right? I, it's interesting that even in mice, <laughs> even in mice listening to Mozart, yeah, it worked. It did. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I lost it. I'm done. That's interesting. We might as well go to Sorry, our money. Right? You, <laughs> you threw you. me a loop there. <laughs> anyway, hey, there are things we can do. We should be looking at things we can do to lower the amount of prescriptions we're giving people. Just, I mean, it's not going to fix everything, but if we're not prescribing as much, yeah. you know, then there's not as much out there. And music could be a nice tool. I'm sure more studies will come out about that as time goes on. Um, I just I just found it interesting that even in mice, the music was reducing their pain levels. Well, related story, uh, not to the pain side of things, but uh, you sent an article over about musical training having the potential to improve attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I found this one really interesting as well. It's on Medical News Today, uh, showing another similar kind of meta-analysis of studies showing that musical training improves blood flow in brain areas that involve with language processing. And, uh, you know, listeners may not know this, but there's, a, there's an ongoing debate within people who study uh, music and pedagogy is what's the training of music is, is discussed as, as to whether music is a form of language yeah. or or actually sure. may have been the first form of sure. language. And so there's that seems to make sense there why they would be coming to those conclusions. Very interesting, yeah. So there you go. There you go. Fentanyl <laughs> to uh I don't know, I can't I think had, of a I had to call myself composer. Out. You know what's gonna call F. me even more? Foul. Is listening to the soothing voice of Bob Stockdale. Tell me about how the market just had another great week. Absolutely. (laughs) So stay tuned for On the Money with Bob Stockdale, and we'll be here next weekend to talk to you about your health. Get more at 971talk.com.